Before we begin the show, I'd like to say, Happy Life Day, Rodney. You know who you are. It's a beautiful day for a Jedi Master to turn 312. Ich frage mich, wieso die beiden immer weitermachen, obwohl sich niemand ihren Podcast anhört. This was in German by TDR Starfish. See you guys. Hi, my name's Jason Dark Quiet, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Because Jedi Anakin killed me. He cut my... <laughs> Execute order sixty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys waited in the chat room for I don't know how long because my faithful co-host decided that the game was more important than the show, boys and girls. But we trudge on here on the Order 66 podcast. That's right, ladies and gents. This is March the 8th, 2009, and we are back for the Order 66 podcast episode number 57 and we have a very able replacement i guess you could say you can't fill the shoes of a gm chris but you could certainly fill a mic fiddleback i do try ha <laughs> how you doing dave well i'm fine that's beautiful Excellent. dude you know and the terrible terrible thing is that uh, the game is definitely more important than the show once again Games take priority over the show. You know, so what do we do about that? I recommend uh, extensive punishment with uh, the occasional pulling of fingernails. The occasional pulling of fingernails? I think all ten of them. What do you think? Okay, go for that. Yeah, all right. You know, this is usually the, 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 the point in the show that we fire off news, and I really don't have much, but we'll fire it off anyway. Yes. <laughs> the, obli <laughs> the obligatory yes. Um, not too much going on around the network this week. Um, you have episode 12 going up tonight, right? That is correct. Episode 12 of Game On goes tonight. And do you have any potential theme as to what this episode would be about? Well, I do, in fact. We're going to be discussing game mechanics in terms of uh, Andy and I's favorite game in the world, which doesn't technically exist, but has a bunch of cool mechanics in it. Oh, yeah? And yeah, it should be very interesting. What would that be? Well, it's it's kind of, uh, it, we're calling it the perfect game, and we just go through and pull up a bunch of different mechanics from other favorite games of ours and try to incorporate them all into one. Ah, very good. Well, see... I, I have a feeling that you did not turn off your Skype and mark yourself unavailable because I just heard yours go. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I know Joe has one up. I got an email. I've been very, very busy this weekend. I got an email from Joe uh, that he has an episode in the can that I just need to add the feed and stuff for so everybody can see it. For, um, meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast. Yes. Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast. That's right. So that's really about it. You know, there's no juicy bits of web goodness on the Watsy boards. I mean, it's just, there's a whole bunch of mini stuff up there. Uh, in fact, there's a ton of mini stuff up there for Imperial Entanglements. The yeah. uh, miniatures preview 5, 6, and 7 are all up there. So if you guys are into the minis, Imperial Entanglements, then that would be fantastic. You guys go up there, check it out. And we're there. So... Um, this is usually the point that we have Commander Cody show up, but alas, 
Cody has uh, ditched us as well. So instead, we bring you this. From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, I'm sorry Cody cannot be with you today. I cannot reveal myself due to order from my master. But you can say that I'm very close to Lord Vader and Darth Sidious. Some may even call me a goddess among the Sith. We're in a strange icy world in an effort to help the escape of Count Dooku, a planet called Nelvon. It is a planet in the Kubi star system. Nelvon is a primitive world of low gravity experience in the onset of an ice age. Three moons orbit Nelvon. It was in close proximity to Tithe, a world without a terrible amount of gravity. It was home to several massive life forms, including the vicious Horax. Nelvon is also dominated by a landscape of precarious mesas that would have fallen in standard gravity worlds. These mesas are home to the primitive Nelvonians, blue furry lupine humanoids. At some past time, Lord Vader came here to destroy a laboratory that experimented on the warriors of the planet, but ultimately sucked thermal energy from the surrounding area, resulting in endless winter. Anakin, as he was known then, had visions in a cave on this planet about his glorious transformation to the dark side. Well, we seem to have found Dooku, and I must come to his aid. Pity he is no longer needed. Glory to the Sith, your new Sith Goddess. Thank you so much, Sith Goddess, for stepping in in a pinch. And about now is... Well, it's time to step into the D20 docking bay. D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Ah, yes. Okay, so we have a request from the, uh, what, how do you say his name? The Revenchist? The Revenchist? Keist? What the heck? Revenchist? Yeah. Revenchist? Uh, something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyway, he says, uh, hi, everyone. Hello. Hey. I apologize if a post with this content already exists, but I couldn't find one using the search. I'm starting out as a GM, and I... I'm looking for any advice anyone can give on starting out as a GM. Any and all help would be appreciated. Oh, yeah, I never listened to the Order 66 podcast, or at least not since episode 39. So, if he found us at episode 39, you know what that means, Brian? He missed some stuff. He did. Episode 37 being the uh, the most foremost uh, that I can think of. That, that would be an episode called The List. Do you remember that one? The List. Excellent show. Absolutely. It is... I, I don't know. The, one of the most comprehensive things that Chris has put on the air as far as what you need to start off doing it in the GM as a GM rule um, and chock full of really, really good stuff that, you know, will benefit you as you go forward. Uh, yeah. Episode 47 it's, is also another good one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was going to say the list is absolutely brilliant for, for new GMs and for old GMs. Yep. Um, episode 47 is uh, entitled uh, Holocron Hijinks, and I think that was the episode that I was drinking like uh, Mai Tais. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> so I remember that one, and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit um, there as well with, um, it was like a uh, pseudo game Holocron, if you will. Um, so anyway. Do you remember your first game you ever ran? 
the first game I ever ran, I was probably oh, 14 years old. We had some grid paper. We drew the dungeon as we went, and we threw absolutely anything into it. Anything. Anything. Dragons. Bugbears. You name it. <laughs> anything. Okay. Well, there you go. So, in other words, your first um, session will probably be bad. Or in, in, your, in your mind, it'll be bad. For your players, it'll be all right. And then, as you go further, it'll, it'll get a little bit better. It'll get a little bit better. Just become an expert on the rules. If, you don't, if, you, if you're not familiar with an entire book, then don't let your players use the book because they'll have stuff you won't have. And how can you rule on something if you don't have it, right? Right. My standing rule is always, if you're bringing something to the table that I don't have access to myself then I want photocopies at a minimum. Right, exactly. And a tip to the wise that GM Chris would say is make incentive cards, uh, initiative cards, for your PCs and some of the uh, NPCs you're going to throw them in, and BBEGs and all that. Basically, you make a little 3x5 index card for every one of your threats that you're going to throw at your players. You put the stat blocks on them, and... For each of your PCs as well. So, you know, basically you're, you're recording your uh, initiative by putting them in order. And so that way when you're in an encounter, you know who's going next, who's going next, who's going next. And then you can remind the next player that they're up, right? That's correct. The hardest, the hardest part of GMing uh, an RPG of any sort is keeping track of who's doing what, when, when effects go off and things like that. And if you use some cards, you can just slip them in order and it's a beautiful thing. Oh, heck yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So um, other, I don't know, other little uh, tips here is, you know, get on and, and download a Dawn of Defiance module. You know, what do you think of that? Because it's, it's pretty much ready-made for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, everybody kind of develops their own style as they go along. But when you start off, if you have something that you can, you can use so that you don't have to plan out quite as much, then I would certainly use it. And Donna Defiance is excellent for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a good it's a good way to uh, to get your feet wet, and that way you have a base. You know how it's going to go. Then you can begin writing your own stuff using tips out of the list and holocron hijinks and all your index cards and everything else. Now, and if you're going to go play Dawn of Defiance, make sure you register with the RPGA, please, and send it in so that way we can get, like, a living force or something. Yes, please do. We need it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and make sure be prepared. I think that's the other uh, sentiment that's being echoed here. Absolutely be prepared for your game and be ready to improvise and think quickly. Try not to railroad your players, and if, you, if something is absolutely ridiculous... Just say no. Yep. You know, the more you give your players, the more they will want to abuse you. Yeah. But at the same time, don't be afraid to say yes to some things. You know, you don't want to take every opportunity away from them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I like, uh, I like uh, GM Brev would come up with a quote that would say, it's a learning process, but... Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Practice, practice, practice. You'll get there. The first few will be rough, but stick with it. Take notes from GMs you do like. Learn what they do that you like and enjoy, and then kind of try to incorporate that into yours. And then make it your own. Make it your own. That's right. Okay. The other one comes from Preacher23. Preacher23. He asks about options for allowing his PCs to gain a ship. And I will read his email. I have a new campaign I'm running in the dark times. I've been kicking around an idea for giving the players an exciting way to secure a ship for their own use. My idea entails having the group make a spacewalk to a disabled freighter, repair the engines, and get the hyperdrive back online. My only reason for this is the motivation. A couple of ideas he's been kicking around. The group may be aligning themselves with the fledgling rebellion, so possibly there's some cargo on board that can be pilfered. I'd like the supplies to be both beneficial to the PCs and the rebellion. 
Option two has less of a reward. The rebels need an unmarked ship that cannot be traced through financial transactions. The only problem I see with this is why can't they just procure a ship from Narshada or something to that effect? I have a very intelligent player who finds plot holes occasionally in my games, and it doesn't disrupt the game. He just makes the observations. 90% of the time, it's really, really funny. So he's asking for any other thoughts on this matter, and uh, how can I make this a bit more exciting without putting second level or maybe third level in too much danger that they get killed? So figure he couldn't hurt to ask the Gamer Nation. So you have any thoughts? I have a couple. Uh, the first one is, uh, in Star Wars, it's my experience that players always want ships. And that's not the question you need to be answering, is how to get your players a ship. But uh, what you need to answer is, why do your PCs want a ship? And, and based on their motivations for having a ship, then that's going to kind of guide how you get them to that, that uh, floating hulk or whatever. Right. And so... Remember that even going through illegal channels and going to a place like Narshada is still going to leave a trail if you're looking at dark times and rebellion and all that. You really need to try and make it clean. You know, if, yep. if your dude's going to find a plot hole, he's going he's gonna to immediately say, well, you know, they could trace this transaction. Yeah, and there's... One of the ways we acquired a ship in one of our games was was we took it away from somebody who didn't deserve it. See, there you go. You know, we just you find you find a you know a mid level or low level bad guy who's who's got a decent ship and make it the adventure to get the ship away from him. Yeah, and that could be that could be one part of their entire campaign is to procure that ship. So. You know, there's lots of ways you can do this, you know. I mean, seriously, all the rec all the responses we've seen, nobody said the very obvious, win it at gambling. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, I mean, that's how the Millennium, that's how the Aluminum Falcon changes hands, you know. Yeah, nobody buys that ship, they just lose it. That's right. They lose it, they get it, whatever, whatever. So, there's some other ideas here that, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're getting it from someone who doesn't want to deal with it. It's, it's, I don't know, infested with Minox, or it needs a lot of repairs, or, you know, it, uh, the owner's really anxious to unload it because he owes uh, lots of back taxes or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, take over the payments. Take over the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's, there's precious cargo on board. There's, you know, they just got lucky. And they found this old ship. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, there, there's, there's all kinds of ways for you to get them, uh, you know, a ship. You know, even if they have to be in league with a crime boss or something along those lines, and, and, um, you know, they, they procure their ship by more illicit means. Yeah, basically, it just amounts to to figuring out what's going to motivate your player or your PCs to do the mission, and then building a story around it. Yeah, there you go. So, um, aside from that, there's really not too much more that we've gotten here for the docking bay, as much as I hate to admit it. And this this is going to be an abbreviated version of the Order 66 podcast, by the way. Okay. But I do have this, and, and you might recognize it. Okay. And now, Stormtrooper Poetry. It's springtime on Tatooine. Time to scrub the sand crawler clean. The Womp Rat... It's getting his yearly lovin', Tuscan Raiders double glovin', Jabba's palace wrapped in lace, Carbonite Solo still in place, Moisture farmers bathe in water, Bantha's mate before it gets hotter, and yet a stormtrooper takes a chance, getting ready for the trooper dance, on finding love in stranger places, like asking out the Sarlacc, I'm pretty sure it's female, I just don't know where to put the button here. Any advice? Stormtrooper poetry. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's nuts. I know, he's crazy, isn't he? Nobody date a Sarlacc. Come on. Yeah, uh, and uh, anyone I've known actually didn't, uh, didn't survive the proposition as they were slowly digested over the course of a thousand years. Yeah. Of course, they had a lot of time to get to know each other, so maybe it's got that going for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you never know. Anyway, hey, I wanted to tell you that I took a trip out to uh, Tatooine. Oh, yeah? What'd you find? Well, I don't know. Let me tell you. Okay. This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. Uh, we got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, what do you know? Uh... All right, so... In keeping with our theme tonight of uh, scum and villainy, we're going to be talking about the outlaw later, prestige class. Mm-hmm. I uh, managed to procure an illegal item. Oh. Yes. That is uh, a cost of about 2,500 credits and weighs only three kilograms. And it can even be attached to a weapon and can be used as a separate weapon. It's called the Micro Grenade Launcher. Have you heard of this? Oh, so good. Ah, yes. <laughs> this is the Locris. Is it Locris? Locris? I don't know. Syndicate's MGL-1 Micro Grenade Launcher. It's very small. It's portable. And it delivers little bitty miniaturized grenades and requires very minimal training. I love it already. Yes, it's classified as a rifle for the manner in which it's used. And it fires micro-grenades, which are just like normal grenades of all the various types of grenades, except that they're smaller. So they deal minus two dice of damage on a successful hit. Now, here's the good thing. That, well, aside from it holding four micro-grenades and has to be reloaded as a full-round action, it can also be mounted on your existing rifle. Now, it takes one minute and only requires a DC-15 mechanics check. So, I mean, seriously, how hard can that be? Oh, that's beautiful. Not bad. And you can use it as a separate weapon. Can you imagine going in with two of those blazing? Dude, that'd be kind of cool, actually, you know? Yeah. It'd be fantastic. So, anyway, yeah, that was my trip to Tatooine. Have you been Excellent. out there yet to see uh, to see him? I, I haven't. I don't get off planet much. Really? Yeah, it's kind of sad. That sucks. That really bites. Anyway, so what do you what do you think? Do you think I should ban GM Brev from the chat room entirely for the rest of the year? For the rest of the year? Yeah. Um you know what? I would I would predicate his reentry to the chat room on the basis of whether or not he can get out any more episodes. Huh. So in other words, if if he decides that the podcast is important enough for him to actually share his time with us, mm-hmm. then Brev should be let off the hook? I think so. I don't know. Well, what's, it, what's his particular offense this time? Well, oh, it, the, the offense this time was he went over to Brev's house for a game of Star Wars, right? It was, they were supposed to be done at like five, and... You know, I kind of had a little bit of a time crunch today because we've got some uh, family issues going on. And and uh, quite frankly, I probably wouldn't be so mad about it, but I didn't go to my daughter's soccer thing so that we could do the podcast. And then we didn't do the podcast. So I was a little bit mad, I guess, about it. And uh, so then I just I just decided to get even and picked up, you know, I figured we can do a podcast. Who needs them? <laughs> well... You know, you you and Chris are are such a, a wonderful pair of hosts that I'm sure if you decided to communicate honestly and openly with each other, you could resolve your difficulties in a favorable manner. <laughs> you sound like a psychiatrist. What's my day job? Oh, dude, that's right. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> Working for amicable resolutions with your children or actually you've got guys that are like almost uh young adults right yeah they're uh they're adolescents um i'm i'm supposed to relay a message to you apparently sir okay which and i will quote verbatim tell that hoser to invite me one (laughs) one (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's uh, that's from our current subject 
I don't know. Chat room, there's uh, 55 of you in there watching right now, and I turned on the video. I don't know. We'll let, you, we'll let the chat room decide as to, because Chris has decided to show up here an hour and 15 minutes late to his own show, I might add. Uh, we'll let the chat room decide if uh, whether or not uh, we can allow him to join the podcast at this time. Well, allow me to sweeten the pot a little bit. Um, if you expect anything of value out of our outlaw discussion today, it might be good to have Chris. Oh, it might be. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I can I can fake it, but uh, you know, Chris just adds so much to the show. In other words, he's a value add. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. 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 Hold a grudge. A Jedi does not. Well, Doctor Scraps, I'm a Sith. Therefore, I hold lots of grudges. You're all grudge. Yeah. So, you know, it's not looking it's not looking too good here because, uh, you know, I've, I've asked for votes in the chat room and I've got, uh, like, Madman of Love Seikos says, just says, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, Darth Hobo says to put him on probation. Put him on probation. Yeah. Double secret probation. Huh. That's right. Well, I tell you what, while we figure out what we're going to do... Why don't we listen to the Alex and Trevor show? What do you say? Okay, sounds good. Is that all right with you? Works for me. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment eight of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about rapid shot feet. One of the first things that you need to think about is that the fact that the errata has changed the requirements to get this feat. You no longer have to have a strength 13, but if you do not have strength 13, you get a minus 5 to your attack roll. This has an important impact later on. Some of the things that you can use to improve this particular feat, if you go to your KOTOR campaign guide and look at page 75, you're going to find a neat little modification for pistols called Hair Trigger. It's specifically for use with the Rapid Shot feat. It allows you to re-roll the damage from an attack, keeping the better result, but only once per encounter. It takes up one upgrade slot and costs 1,200 credits. Now, another thing that you can do to make better use of the Rapid Shot feat exists in the Saga Edition Core rulebook on page 217. It's part of the Gunslinger Prestige class, and that's the talent trigger work. And it says you take no penalty on your attack roll when using the rapid shot feat. Now notice it says no penalty. That means that if you don't have a strength 13 and you're supposed to take minus 5, the minus 5 disappears. Which means that that rapid shot feat is a really great feat to take when you're about level 8 or perhaps for your ninth level feat. It's the same time you pick up the trigger work talent. Very, very useful. Another thing that you could do to make your rapid shot feat even more powerful is in the Scum and Villainy book on page 43, another modification entitled the Pulse Charger. This upgrade causes a minus one penalty on all attack rolls with a weapon, all right? But the weapon deals plus one point of damage per die. So the extra die that you're getting with Rapid Shot will get an additional plus one. I think that's worth a fair bit. Now, of course, to get both of these upgrades, because the Pulse Charger slot takes one upgrade point and 2,000 credits, to get both of those into your weapon, you're going to need to strip something out. I'd recommend stripping range increment, especially given, at least in our games, we rarely get at a point-blank range, let alone anything close to long range, or possibly stun damage. And using any of these combinations, that rapid shot feat can become much more powerful. Over to you, Trevor. And today I'm going to talk about probably my absolute favorite talent in the entire KOTOR book, which you can find on page 27. It's a scoundrel talent, and it belongs in the fortune talent tree. Lucky Stop. What Lucky Stop allows is any successful hit against you is mitigated by an item you just happen to be wearing or carrying or glances off your armor or clothing in just the right way. Once per encounter as a reaction, you can negate the damage from a single attack that would normally reduce you to zero hit points. The only prerequisite is Knack. The reason this is my favorite talent in the book is because currently I'm playing a scoundrel in a KOTOR campaign. And my scoundrel is not a very good combative character. I don't have a lot of hit points. I don't have a lot of armor class. I'm really kind of, you know, the support guy. 
But with this, I can walk into the middle of a battle and not be completely worried that I'm going to die and have to use up a force point every time I'm in combat. Actually, the last time we played, I stood in front of a basilisk droid and didn't die. It shot me dead. Actually, I believe it critted, and I took no damage. You know, my jacket probably got caught on fire, but I'm all good. And as a result, that's exactly why I think this is a great great talent. I think this is really nice, and it has the flavor of your typical scoundrel, where the guy is, you know, walking into a room, somebody shoots him unexpectedly, and guy falls down, everybody thinks he's dead, and he goes in his pocket, and he pulls out his mickey and goes, oh, good thing I kept that around. And and that's exactly the, the flavor, I think, that this kind of gives, and it's really nice, and it kept me alive, so it's my favorite talent. Anyways, um... If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email Alex or I at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. All right, as always, Alex and Trevor, thank you very much. I got your I got your session, this one anyway, right after the show. And uh, yeah, you told me you were a day late and a dollar short. And, you know, for some people, I, I won't hold that against you because that's your first offense of placing, uh, you know, whatever it was. I'm sure it was important. It wasn't near as important as, say, having a Star Wars freaking game instead of being on the show. And so with that, I think we'll we'll welcome in our newest co-host to the show, GM Chris. Dude, I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had no idea. If your daughter had a soccer thing today, why did you not tell me, hey, let's do the podcast later? I would have said okay. Well, I, you know, it was one of those things that I could miss, but, you know, I, uh, I would rather have gone, you know. And to be fair, you finked on me a couple times. Yeah, it's true. So this is my first fink on you. Not for a good reason, though. Okay, gaming is a very good reason, especially if it was the session that I just came out of. So, had you been there and... All right, I'm tired. <laughs> his, his story has become tiresome. <laughs> You're a cruel master. I know, you know, it's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. You know, it really is. And so, eh, eh. all right, maybe we'll try and add him again. All right. Just because I, I'm, I happen to be in a generous mood, and so I will grant his boon. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what happened there. You know, um, it accidentally must have gotten cut off. We're having technical issues with GM Chris's side, apparently. Oh, is that a fact? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, is I think you were you were launching into a, a good reason why uh, a, a, a Star Wars game is more important than our weekly podcast that one thousand seven hundred and twenty-three people depend on every week. So the the gamer nation wants to know exactly why it is that the good of the one outweighed the good of the many. Well, in truth, I didn't want to be a prick, <laughs> and uh, Brev feels bad enough. He he gave me sad puppy dog eyes, and uh, I actually I really think he felt really 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 bad. Well, if he felt really, really, really bad, he would have said, you know, this is a good stopping point. I know Chris has to go do a show. So anyway, I'm not entirely sure he's allowed in the chat room. Oh, dude, are you really bitter over that? A little bit. Really? Really. Really? Yep. Really. One day you'll okay. have kids and you'll understand. So, gentlemen, the idea here is that you use positive I statements to explain how you feel about the situation that has occurred. Yeah, of course, you know, because... By expressing, I am very upset, I therefore, I can allow my feelings to be out in the open. Yes, Dave, I feel, I feel confused at your continued hostility. Well, good. <laughs> Way to go. There. Now the feelings are out in the open, we can deal with them. Good. All right, so while we deal with our feeling, feelings, uh, Gamer Nation... Turn in your scum and villainy guides to page 34 and 35, in which you will find the outlaw prestige class. And I guess if, if you're not too busy, we'll go ahead and get started with the meat of the show. Is that all right there, GM Chris? Oh, I guess so. Ah, yes. The outlaw prestige class. So... Tell me something. Yo. 
What level does it take to be an outlaw in a prestige class? Well, uh, like most prestige class, you uh, need to have seven uh, levels under your belt. Therefore, you would need to be level eight. Really? Yes. You're not. You're not putting me on or anything, are you? No, no. As hard as that is to believe, that is the prereq. Well, one of them at least. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, and while I'm while I'm actually here, um, do you have your uh, do you have your camera going? Uh, negative. My wife has uh, the laptop in the living room. Oh well. All right then. I guess I won't do that. <laughs> However, you can go ahead and invite her as a co-host, and uh, people can see her in all her beautiful glory. Well, I mean, all all with all due respect to TG, um, I'll pass this time. Aww. Only because she's not going to actually be on the show, you know. Well, she wants to know actually if um, if you want to do dark thoughts tonight. Uh, it's already done in another way. It's going to be embedded into the show. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, TG's like, thank you, Dave. I love you, man. <laughs> she won't do it. <laughs> right. That's Okay, so, all right, Mr. Expert, can you take us through this uh, little out? You probably do a better job than I would in my uh, prep time of 27 minutes. <laughs> well, I could certainly try. Um, I've had little prep time for this particular prestige class. but Wah. Um, wah. Uh, other prereqs, you need to have the outlaw. For, first of all, I, I think this is a really cool prestige class. Um, when, it, when I first read it, it was like, oh, man, I remember Rev and I had a discussion. He really wanted to go this route with our character in the alternate universe campaign. And then he saw the prereqs and was like, ooh. Because the next prereq is the killer, and that was the trained skills. You got to be trained in both stealth and survival. Easy, yep. And survival, right? So pretty much a scout level is well mandatory. Absolutely required. So that was kind of the clincher right there. And another thing, and this is kind of where you, you pretty much have to multi-class to get into this prestige class, because what you're looking at is you. you the next, of course, pre uh, prerequisite is a talent from either the disgrace talent tree, uh, which is actually in scum and villainy or the misfortune talent tree so we're talking about either noble or scoundrel so you're gonna have to have a level of scout and then you're gonna have to have either a level of noble or a level of scoundrel um and then of course you actually have to be an outlaw the final thing is you have to be wanted by the authorities somewhere right somewhere somehow yep some way yeah but now i do know they have a d8 hit die and i do know that they have like um they get like a talent on the odd number levels, and uh, tell me what fugitive plus one and all that is. Well, fugitive is kind of interesting. It's it represents the idea that you're getting really good at just staying one step ahead of the authorities, and so the the even level ability um, is is uh, once an encounter, um, whenever you withdraw, you can move one additional square. Um, so it's like because normally when you withdraw, you can only move half your speed, basically. But with this, you know, like, so let's say I have a speed of six squares. If I withdraw, I can only move three. But with this, when I withdraw, I can move four at second level. And then five at fourth level. And then sixth at sixth level. And then it just goes up and up and up. Till at one point, you're, I mean, when you get to, like, you know, eighth and tenth level, your withdrawal movement actually exceeds your base movement. Well, that sounds good to me. Yes, very very odd ability and very interesting. Um, so I, I I do like it. I'll be I would be withdrawing everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I and you know there's a um, um, oh no, never mind. That was the assassin. Ah, I was looking through. I was looking through wanting to know either do the assassin or or do the outlaw. But the assassin has a really neat little uh, ability to to attack and then leave without. Um, Drawing oh, an attack yeah. of opportunity. Oh, yeah. yeah, assassin, assassin is tight, but I, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. What do you? I mean, some people said it's kind of a cheese ball, but I'm not too sure. But I mean, like Brian, what do you think? Um, I think it's always good to run away from trouble faster than you can get into it. Right. <laughs> good <laughs> note, right there. Yes, this is very true. Um. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's that's kind of the even level ability of it, and uh, I I don't I, I think it's pretty neat. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's good. Don't it's good. Don't you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, here we go with that again. <laughs> but uh, so that, that's the even level ability for the outlaw, and then the odd level, of course, you get your talents. Yep. Um And uh, we have a whole new talent tree. Of course, it's a can you? It's amazing. A prestige class with a new talent tree. Wow. Awesome. 
And do you know what? The talent tree is named after the prestige class. It's called the Outlaw Talent Tree. Wow. Exciting. Bye. I know. Um, but uh, they actually, um, one of the things I like about the Outlaw is that they get actually four talent trees to choose from. And most prestige classes only get three or sometimes two. Um, they have this new Outlaw talent tree, but they also can choose the Slicer talent tree, which is, of course, uh, Scoundrel. And then uh, the Fringer or the Survivor talent tree uh, uh, from, from Scout. So I think that's a pretty spiffy. Sounds good to me, you know. Oh, yeah. I like that um, double but, up. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'll tell you, people, people, we talked about this before. People say, you know, oftentimes you only take the prestige class to get the new prestige class talents. But taking, you know, a, a level in a prestige class to, to get access to these other class talents that you couldn't before is sometimes just as useful, um, in my opinion. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Seize the Moment allows you to take a swift action as a reaction whenever an ally successfully damages an opponent. Okay. And that's And then fairly... double up. No, go ahead. What? Well, I said that. No, I said it's fairly cool. Yeah, but then double up, right? Once per encounter, whenever you do Seize the Moment, you can forego the extra swift action and make an immediate melee or ranged attack against that damaged opponent. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, and if um, the, and of course if, if that attack is a ranged attack, and it deals damage, um, you treat the damage dealt by you and your ally that attacked as though it was all one attack. Like for the purposes of overcoming DR SR, determining whether it exceeds damage threshold. Right. And that is the I think the real power of double up. Right. Um, not just free attack, which is pretty freaking cool, but it's like adding on. But I mean, people say, well, like, okay, back to seize the moment. People say, okay, well, I only, get a, I only get a swift action, you know, as a reaction. Well, you know what? If you're down the condition track... Dude, you can move up, like, in one well, round, yeah, you can move lot, two steps up. A lot up. faster, absolutely. So, it, it becomes a pretty big deal. Um, you know, stuff like charging battle strike, or, you know, things, second things of that. Second wind. Second wind. There's a big one, second wind. So, yeah, I think, I think Seize the Moment is, is very, very cool. Um, uh, the other one I really like that's kind of in the same vein is is Uncanny Instincts, uh, one of the one of the other new talents in this tree, which is that uh, it's it's only once an encounter, but whenever somebody deals damage to you, uh, you can just sh like shift yourself one square as a reaction, and that does not provoke any attacks of opportunity. Um, yeah, so it's bad. just kind of an easy way to get out of the way. Not bad. But Brian, well, the coolest, the oh, coolest, sorry. most useful thing for it is like if you, somebody has multiple attacks. Then, if the first one hits, you can shift, and if they're a melee fighter, usually they'll be out of you'll be out of the range at that point. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, how about that? See, mm. dual wielding vibro axe wookies. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Wow. All right. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think I think uh, that that uh, that that Togruta, the dual power hammer wielding Togruta, you know, with rapid strike, three die twelve, three die twelve, three die twelve, three die twelve. Right. You just can't go wrong with that. I know. I know. <laughs> I know, man. So, all right. So, Brian. Yes. What do you like about this class, my man? I like I like the fact that this class has a lot of uh, tactical mobility in it. Mm. You can be all over the place with it. Yeah? Yeah. That I, I think the movement is really the best. It's really kind of the major feature of the class, isn't it? When you When you look at all the various, the various abilities the talents have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and of course, of course, the uh, the fugitive ability as well, the even level ability. Um, but do you guys want to go over the rest of the talents in the tree? Sure. Why not? There's have we did we do confounding attack yet? Not yet, because mostly because uh, tangle up and uncanny instincts are prereqs for both of it. Oh and right. We just talked about uncanny instincts, but tangle up, which actually has uncanny instincts as a prereq, um, basically it's as a standard action. Um, you can make a non-area melee or ranged attack, so no grenades, no uh, no whirlwind attack, people, no 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 auto fire. Um, and if that attack hits, uh, you deal half your normal damage, but your opponent loses its next move action. Oh yeah. And talk about tactical control. I find it, I find it hilarious that some of the best tactical control options are in this class, as opposed to like you know you would expect this out of maybe the the gladiator or the uh, you know the elite trooper or the, you know the melee duelist, something to that effect, you know. But very cool. 
And then, of course, that, that leads up to confounding attack, which is uh, once an encounter, um, whenever you would use Uncanny Instincts, um, which is the one where you, uh, you you shift that one square as the reaction, right? You, you can forego that movement to make an immediate melee or ranged attack against that opponent that hits you. Nice. Um, and, and then, and then... And then... You get to switch places with your opponent. Yeah, if 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 the attack hits and it deals damage. Right. So you get to castle for free. Yeah. Yes, exactly. You just, you get to castle as long as you both end up in legal spaces. And that is almost too useful. That's really really cool. I could see a lot of fun use for that in game. Would you imagine that it just automatically remove yourself from being flanked? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I think that's that's totally totally awesome. Um I think that's that's completely uh, completely awesome. Um, the next one would be find an opening, which has seized the moment as a prereq, um, and which is basically and see, seize the moment again is the one where once around when when your ally damages an opponent, you can take that swift action as a reaction. Um, well, with find an opening, whenever you would be using seize the moment, you you can forego that swift action to be able to aim as a single swift action on your next turn. So normally it takes two swifts to aim, but those have to be like in the same round. That's been clarified by the devs. Um, so this way you can use that one swift to partially aim. Ah, which, there you go. And then you've got the yeah. okay, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and then those uh, that's, that's kind of nice. With find an opening and seize the moment, moment that actually winds up being your prereq for double up. Exactly, and double ups I think is very very cool. Um, and that's again, there's, there's only a few of the, the once an encounter abilities, but once an encounter, yeah. uh, whenever you would use seize the moment, you can forego the extra swift and make an immediate melee ranged attack against the opponent. Um, and uh, that that's where you you know if, if your attack is ranged and it deals damage, um, that's where you you combine the the damage done by you and your ally. Right. So right. All right. So you want my take on this? Yeah. Um, it takes a long time to get these talents, and I don't find them useful enough for this prestige class, and so I'm not going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I, listen, you, okay, you remember our, the episode we did on the sniper builds, on the range fighter build? Yeah. Okay, well, we talked about how, you know, Soldier Scout is fantastic, okay? You pepper in, pepper in a level of Scoundrel for Skirmisher or Dastardly Strike, and it gets even better. I think... On your way to building a proper sniper, a good range combatant, I think you can meet the prereqs for this pretty easily. Yeah, and um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, it, it's possible. It's doable if you get good planning. And I don't know. I really like the idea of the outlaw. I really think thought they put some thought into this. And Brian, what is it you said? It's, it's all about tactical movement and, and about you know uh, maneuvering in terms of a combat sense, maneuvering your enemies. Yes, indeed. And that just seems so fitting with the theme of the Prestige class, so I really like it. I do wish, however, that they had a little bit more, um, I guess, non-combative areas, maybe some skillful focuses, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, but that seems to be more the domain of the charlatan. Right. Which is uh, another very similar, awesome Prestige class, which I know we'll come to. Eventually um, we will. Eventually we will. Yeah, but but all in all, so I mean, where, where I can see the most benefit of the outlaw being is going to be the range fighter who is that that, that sniper type build, mostly because they're going to be able to hit the prerequisites pretty easily with some good planning. Right. Yeah. So So there you go. Can I toss in a question? What? I'm sorry? Can I toss in a question? Sure. Of course. It's, it seems reasonable to me to assume that if you have one outlaw, you're going to have two outlaws. Um, is there some interesting combinations going on there? If you can combine uh, outlaw efforts with like two outlaws in a group, wow, that would be uh, very, very interesting. Uh, yes, and I certainly, I certainly imagine there would be. I mean, the most, the most common right there is going to be is going to be double up. I mean, you guys can can work that against each other, just just nonstop. And it, like for example, if you had three outlaws with double up, okay they could all gain that action and just pile on the damage in one hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Boom. You could, with, with three outlaws and a guy with a big gun, you could you could beat a Rancor's damage threshold for Pete's sake with the amount of single damage you would do, assuming you guys all hit. Right. Um, but, you know, stuff stuff like that. That'd be a pretty absolutely. neat little thing against the BBEG. Yeah. But then you then you come down to like GM ruling. Like okay, like look at look at something like Tangle Up. Okay, which is which is one of my favorites. Where um, if you you make a, you make a standard action non-area attack, and if it hits, you deal half damage, but your opponent loses its next move action. Right. 
okay, so what if somebody does that more than once? Does the opponent lose two move actions? If somebody does it three times, do they lose three move actions? Thus, or, you know, two moves in a swift, thus denying them their entire round? Or as a GM, would you rule it to where you only can apply that once and have the one move action to lose? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? How would y'all rule that? I don't know. I, I think if they were using it reasonably, I would allow it. But if it if it was turned into something abusive, then I might cut it back a little bit. Well, yeah, like yeah, that's the yeah. I just this said like nine words without saying a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, isn't that what you do for a living, though? Uh, yeah, sure, I guess. Isn't that what we isn't that what we do for a living? Oh, see, uh, see, that's GM Chris right there speaking. Ah, uh, that's me. <laughs> indeed well okay so there it is gamer nation the outlaw i know that you in the chat room are clamoring for us to go over the outlaw tech talent tree but we will save that for another show yes because it's good stuff in there yeah the outlaw tech talent tree is is very good stuff yeah. we can and we really hadn't touched this book. I mean, we have. I mean, we talked about some of some of the some of the equipment out of Scum and Villainy, but um, briefly. Yeah, I think the squib battering ram we talked about at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. Um, God, I remember that. That was awesome. Yeah, heck yeah. That, that was that was a great postcard we got from Cody that uh, that week too. It was. It was. <laughs> Indeed. So, yep. And so, guess what? Huh. It's a terrible time. It's the end of another show. Aw. I, I don't I don't feel right. I wasn't on long enough. Whose fault is that? Brav's. Blame it on Brav. I don't know, Brian, you can mitigate this. Well, we each have to take ownership for our own thoughts and actions take the responsibility for the consequences that those thoughts and actions produce all right <laughs> okay dad all right we, we appreciate that and with that gamer nation somebody somewhere <laughs> is supposed to wish you peace love and good gaming gamer nation all right, thanks to Fiddleback for filling in in a pinch. Much appreciated, sir. Glad to do it. Hey, you betcha. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Greetings, GM Dave and GM Chris. This is the Reverend Ron Hodder, and I'm calling on behalf of the Force today to offer you and your listeners a great opportunity to cleanse their their eternal forciness so that they may not join with the Sith in death, but become one in the Force. And I would be more than happy to do that for just the smallest of donations of 500 galactic credits per individual, of course. And uh, this will allow me to uh, purge the anger, the fear, and the aggression from one's soul that keeps them from becoming one. Or with the force, especially the lust. Uh, the lust that that one is a uh, ho ho. That's the biggie right there. I know they never mentioned it in the movie, but uh, that's the one that uh, got Darth Maul. 
and Count Dooku twice, and Emperor Palpatine. But that was because of Count Dooku. But anyway, I digress. For a small donation, your souls can be clean to join the Force. Except for you, Captain Theros, you are banned from the Galactic Church. Uh, but seriously, uh, keep up the good work. You're sending tons of business my way. Uh, until next time, guys, uh, may my Schwartz be with you. Welcome to Daydreaming with GM Dave. Oh, so much to daydream about today. <laughs> I kept expecting on that last thing, I kept expecting a... Yeah, that wasn't the best bumper we've ever had. No, I was, I was for a Jello pudding pop reference. I was, you know... I was, <laughs> Oy that's, that's pretty good too, but you know, uh, yeah. In this uh, in this economy, everything's tanking, including the Order sixty six podcast. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, that's it. It's easy as that. Yeah, it is. It is. That's the drunk guy that beat up all the Jedi at the Jedi Church. You remember that? Oh, yeah, that's right. I wonder what ever happened to him. And, yeah, he, he consumed, what was it, uh, uh, about, like, what was it, four liters of wine before? <laughs> well, before what happened that? to him is he's now pickled and on display. <laughs> well, we call it the freak show. We call it the freak show. Uh, so we, we couldn't go because they were sold out, but I tried really hard to go yesterday to the Water Tower Theater in Addison to go see the one-man Star Wars show. Oh, have yeah. You, you tell me about this. I know. Have you have you heard of this, Brian? I have not. This guy does in 90 minutes the entire uh, original trilogy, episode 4, 5, and 6, as a one-man show. Wow. Uh, all the voices, lots of uh, jumping around, and and uh, he's he's apparently a pretty good comedic actor. And I know he was at Star Wars Celebration last year. They invited him out, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe I can catch him before he leaves town. But so, is is he at the same time as tall as a Wookiee and a little short for a stormtrooper? Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, yes, yes, he is. Wow. Kind of crazy, isn't it? That is. That's a lot of work. Oh. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, anyway, so are you going to go ahead and tell us then what it was that was so important that kept you away from us? <laughs> I was playing a great game. In truth, I really didn't even know what time it was until you had uh, until you had called me. I don't think any of us did. Um, this is GM Brev's KOTOR campaign. We haven't played in some time. This and, is where you're uh, playing the Ewok, right? I am playing an Ewok uh, uh Force adept, basically, or he will become a force adept. And uh, Tebow, uh, Ewok shaman, and um, it was it was great. Uh, the best part about the entire night was the best, the absolute best skill challenge I have ever seen anyone run anywhere anywhere in any system. Brev ran tonight. Um, it was flawless. It was funny. And it was it was it was absolutely fantastic. It was it was it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. He did, he did a marvelous job. Well, that's great. Yeah, it was it was just phenomenally. It was it was a great session all around. I have not played in a session that good in probably three or four years. So well, good. Maybe we'll detail the whole thing on when games could go go great. Yeah, yeah, good 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 great. What good game right? I yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm telling you, man. I, I really, I really wish he would write it up, just because it was, it was such, a, it was such a divine session. And he, um, very, very, lots of heroics, lots of heroics. He had fully intended for the party to get separated at the end of the session, with several of us knocked out and being kidnapped, and several others of us having to escape and go away. And he was actually going to diverge the next session and have us meet to like half, half the group meet. Uh, at one time and half the group meet at another and then we'd meet back up later at the beginning of the session following um, 
but we we were very heroic and we soldiered it out and we managed to uh, not leave any comrade behind and uh, did a lot of crazy crazy crap and it was cool. very fun. TG rocked. Uh, she her character she was playing live and tie this Duros pilot scoundrel um, who just pwned the entire excuse me cuned Q is one more than P is better um, cuned the entire session. She rocked hardcore. But uh, uh, Rob or Booter um, and uh, Tenny and Cat were also in the game, and it was just beautiful. It was it was fantastic, man. I'm Sweet. Still, I'm still smiling over it. It was a great, great session. Well, good, man. I'm very happy about that. Yeah. Still not an excuse, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I prostrate myself before the gaming. Excuse me, before the podcasting gods, and. Uh, Tell the gaming gods to slough off. <laughs> you know, of course, despite the fact we couldn't we couldn't really do a gaming podcast without the gaming, but Right. But 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 I feel I feel you. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, I was supposed to be home by seven. But but yeah. anyway. So we have a show in the can now basically for next week. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what the funny thing is that I... I, um, Dish, I dishes are done, man. Show I, no- I just got to email you the show notes. The uh, the funny thing is that I started exchanging emails at 8.30 with Gary Asselford that I almost got just to come on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Last minute, but we never quite actually fun. hooked up. Okay, so I, I got to tell this story, okay? I, um... Here, here. One more way of me prostrating myself in front of the Gamer Nation. I got an email from Gary Asselford, and for those who would like to pick up uh, Starships of the Galaxy and look at the authors, you will find Gary Asselford there. Um, he has also authored um, uh, Scum and Villainy, uh, co-authored Scum and Villainy, and he is also going to be a co-author on the coming Legacy Guide, which is releasing in, what, two weeks? Nine days. Nine days? Um, so anyway, I, I get an email from Gary Asselford uh, maybe a week and a half ago. And he says, hey, I just discovered the podcast, but listening to it, you know, uh, I'm enjoying it. But I had a friend tell me that way back uh, in, I forget which episode it was, um, you told, you you mentioned that I had disagreed with Rodney Thompson about something on the forums. And this is really bugging me because I've never disagreed with Rodney Thompson. Excuse me. Actually, he said, I've never disagreed with Rod about anything. And, um, or I think he may have called it the Rod. And, uh. (laughs) Uh, he's like, I was wondering what it was, and I'm enjoying the podcast, so thank you. And so I, I actually, I knew what he was talking about, and I went back and listened. And this is like episode, shoot, like seven or eight, like way back, well over a year ago when we first started doing the podcast. Um, remember when we had that guy write in a question about whether you can use Vital Transfer to heal yourself? Yeah. Well, there was some... some Various, you know, hullabaloo on on the Watsi forums about it. Some people said yes, some people said no. And the big thing was that um, that Gary Sarley, our our uh, our good friend and Jedi counselor, had said yes, you can. And then Rodney got on the forums and said no, you can't. And there was some confusion in that regard. So when I was writing up my show notes, I simply put Gary Ver- Gary V Rodney uh, as my way of of you know of reminding myself who it was who had said what and who didn't. And so. As I'm reading the show notes, and as I'm we're doing the show at the time, I saw this, and I'm like, "Okay, Roddy Thompson says this," and of course, uh, and literally in my head, it's like, "Oh God, Gary, 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 uh, 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 oh God, which what?" Uh, and I blanked Gary's last name, and I literally I had Starships of the Galaxy in front of me, and I glanced down, and I'm like, "Gary Asselford, oh, that has to be who it is," and so for a brief moment, I say. Uh, you know, Gary Asford disagreed, even though it was not Gary Asford who disagreed. It was Gary Sarley. So um, that was a long time ago, and it got rehashed because um, when you were playing that, you actually played that as a clip when we were doing the ten-minute recap of the prior year in episode fifty. Um, right, Dave. Yeah, that's, so that's what he kind heard. Of what what drew his attention to it? So this is my public uh, apology to Gary Asford for um, saying on air. You know, at, at the time I was like, oh, oh well. You know, because I, I realized after the show that I'd misquoted, and I was like, "Oh, it's okay." You know, he's God, he's a developer; he's never going to listen to this. <laughs> right. <laughs> this piddly, this piddly podcast is never going to be heard by more than twelve people. What am I worried about? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, what are you so there, do? there is, there is that. 
And uh, but no, I've, I've, I've sent a couple emails back and forth with Gary uh, Asselford, um, and he seems like this really cool guy. And uh, and uh, he's actually signed up as, as uh, I believe Barrier Peaks is his um, his uh, screen name on the forums, and uh, he's been posting some fantabulous advice. Yes, he so. has. I can't wait for Legacy to come out, man. I'm uh, you know, it's not my favorite era, era, but it is a good one. So I'm you know. For me, like Kotor and the Force Unleashed were like my holy grails, just because Dark Times and Kotor are my favorite airs. But uh, Legacy has a lot of fans. I know Rodney's got a Legacy game going right now. So there you go. Well, see, he has the benefit of using the book that's not even out yet. <laughs> well, well, he has the benefit of designing something for the game and then going, "Hey, I think I want to put this in the book." Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. What about you, Brian? Are you looking forward to uh, Legacy Sourcebook? Uh, I am, in the same way that I'm looking forward to catching up with the entire rest of the Star Wars Saga Edition collection. Uh, I can't donate enough blood to get it fast enough. Yeah, I know. <laughs> feel ya. I feel ya. <laughs> yeah. I know. Terrible, terrible thing to be out of money. It is. It is. Uh, so, I will okay. own eventually. I'm, I'm married, yeah. so I have no money of my own. You're married, you're married with child. Yeah. Therefore, you have no money. Okay, so speaking of frivolous expenses, although I don't know if this is frivolous, Brev scared the living piss out of me when I went over there this afternoon um, because I, I, go to the, I go to the game table he's got, and sitting on top of the game table is Twilight Imperium. <laughs> and I, I kind of look at him, and I'm like, we're not playing your KOTOR game? He's like, oh yeah, we are. I'm like, well, I hate to burst your bubble, but I don't have the 12 hours it's going to take to run your session and then play this. And he's like, oh no, I, I just had it out. So I'm like, oh, 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 okay. And um, I've never actually played Twilight Imperium. I've only seen it played for about an hour. And um, Brev tells me the first time they played it, it took them almost 12 hours, mostly because they had to also understand the complicated rules. Right. But, yeah. But uh, I've seen it at the game store, and it's been intimidating. The the $75 to $80 price tag has been a little intimidating. Um, yeah, and, and the game itself is, is intimidating. Even if it were free, you would be intimidated by this thing because, as you rightly pointed out, the rule book is quite complex. And I've played, I've played all of about four turns of the game before I got so frustrated looking things up in the rule book that I just said, all right, let's quit, and I'll just read the rule book myself. Yeah. I think I don't know, Dave. I think this might be up your alley though, because you're one of those people that you love this, the the really hardcore strategy games. This is like a, a combination of Settlers of Catan, Risk. Um, I'm out. Oh, Axis <laughs> and Allies. Okay, I'm back in. And I would say more Axis and Allies than Risk. Good. Uh, but but Axis and Allies, Catan, um, and Star Wars just kind of wrapped all into one really? giant strategic. All right, I'm in. There's one ending in like seven minutes on eBay, and it's only twenty-four bucks. Really? So, all right, I'm in. Okay, don't I say you want a bargain. Yep. The best I've ever had. Oh, red button, where are you? <laughs> all right. Oh, don't hate. Okay, boys. Well, it's been fun, but I have to run. I'm out of time in the gamer nation. Thank you very much for allowing us to invade your personal space. Fiddleback, thank you very much. You're quite welcome, sir. For filling in, in the absence of the outlaw GM. Yes. Thank you very much, Brian. You're welcome. All right, Gamer Nation. Keep those dice rolling. Stay hard. Keep jamming. And we'll see ya. What?